Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Attention, BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, Today we're going to continue our series of camp questions, and today we're going to talk about the edge players. And joining me for that is Kyle Barber. You know him from Baltimore Beatdown. Kyle, how are you doing? Doing well. How about yourself, Ken? Life's good, Kyle. And then uh, looking forward to, to getting out to camp again and, uh, and doing our Camp Notes series this year. Absolutely. I'm excited about it. All right. Tell people your Twitter handle up front, and then we'll... Absolutely, yeah. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Kyle P. Barber. P. Barber. All right. Uh, so Kyle, we're going to talk about the edge today and uh, your choice. I always like it when people get to choose their, their position group so they can kind of pick something they're passionate about. Uh, Ravens, as I see, have, have three distinct groups of players here. Uh, a set of four guys who I think more or less have made the team. We can talk a little bit about role and usage and, and, and what we think we'll see. Uh, one guy who's, who's hurt, and I don't know exactly how it fits out of the roster, and that's, of course, David Ajabo. And then four other guys who are competing, uh, maybe for one roster spot, definitely for practice squad position, and definitely to try and prove they can they can play, and in some cases still play in the NFL. But let's let's talk about the sure things first of all. Ravens just recently reacquired Justin Houston. I guess we can start with him. Yeah, Justin Houston had a really good season last year uh, analytically. You know, statistically, he didn't have you know he didn't stuff the stat sheet, and a lot of people were kind of down on him because of it. But if you look at his numbers at other areas I mean he was rather prolific uh not well I don't want to get too egregious in it but he looked really good uh his pass rush grade I believe by PFF was incredibly high um it was at least yeah it was a 77.4 which is pretty solid you know that's that's in the green zone for for PFF and uh overall he he had a lot of pressures he really did well um and I think that 
in a Mike McDonald defensive scheme, I think he could be more accustomed to uh, getting those sacks, getting more pressures, and being utilized a little bit more. Uh, it all depends kind of how the uh, the system operates. But if he's signing back on, and the fit was something that he cared about a lot when he joined the Ravens originally, uh, for him to sign with them a second time and come back and play for the Ravens again, uh, it's got to be because he still enjoys the system or he likes the changes to the system and wants to uh, play for them and sees them as a as contender. Yeah, I think I think it is a fairly natural fit. I I didn't think he'd come back and be a automatic like vet min kind of player necessarily and he isn't. He's he's got a fair amount of money in his contract this time around, something like 3 million dollars. There may be incentives at taking beyond that. Uh, but, uh, you know, a, a player who definitely rushed the passer effectively. And honestly, the, three, the three-man team of Bowser, Owe, and Houston was quite good at getting pressure last year. Uh, you know, unfortunately, all of them had questions entering this year. Houston's primary one being age and will he return to the Ravens, primary two, I guess. Um, but uh, Houston, there are questions as a run defender as well. And that's something where, you know, they've had him on the field for a fair number of early downs and late downs. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of two older Ravens in Campbell and McPhee, in guys that are almost too good to keep off the field at multiple components of the game. McPhee, he was, the you know, one of the team's best pass rushers when they re picked him up but then he's also one of the team's best run defenders we find out <laughs> on the edge and and you, you end up needing him on every down and uh McPhee's first year of course he got hurt in that in that game against Seattle and and it was just it was just too much of a workload uh Campbell I fear the same thing they really need to ratchet back his workload um but he's the best they have at pretty much everything so <laughs> they kind of need to have him on the field and I'm a little concerned about Houston as well in that way they think they, it's important that they really find a way to to ration out his snaps well this year. Yeah, I completely agree. His run defense was middling. You know, he's he's a pass rush specialist at this age of his career and where he's currently, you know, producing. And the workload is going to be too much if they have him out there for three downs. It's just the way that it works when you're up there in age, the way that he is. But uh, he's a solid pass rusher. He could, you know, he could nab, you know, five plus if he's utilized effectively. And that is about some of these younger guys that we might be getting into uh, stepping up for those first and second downs, being able to be there for run support and run defense and setting the edge because Houston's best asset is not doing that. It's coming in on fresh legs on second and long, third and long, and being able to go after quarterbacks. And and that's where he's produced by far the best. Yeah, I uh, agree completely. He played 61% of the snaps last year in the 15 games he played. It's actually less than that when you count the games he didn't play. Uh, but uh, still, that's a, that's a large snap load for a 32-year-old guy. I know you, not everybody is Terrell Suggs and can play you know, <laughs> a uh, enormous percentage of snaps even in their mid-30s. But uh, Houston, Houston, a guy that another thing I really liked about was the way uh, he mentored some of the younger guys on this team. And there's a lot of young pass rushers on this team with Owe and, and Hayes and uh, now some of the potential new guys who'd, who'd be joining, and Ajabo certainly, uh, who could really stand to use a lot positional coaching-wise from Justin Houston in terms of muscle memory games and whatnot uh, that he uses to kind of train his hands uh, things that will help you build a, a pass rush plan that's automatic. 
uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a, a built-in one-two combination of moves. Uh, just really loves what he builds in that. And, and watching him relate to these young players, he, he won't necessarily want it. He's a guy who's certainly made a lot of money playing football. But if he wanted to come back as a coach, I'm sure he could. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, the value to having Houston isn't solely in his pass rush effectiveness, but being able to mentor these young linebackers. The Ravens have some, you know, some potential players that could step up and be big. Even Tyus Bowser, though he's in his fifth, sixth season, doesn't mean that he still can't learn something and gain something from the the knowledge that Houston boasts and. That goes even more so for the guys like Dalen Hayes and Adafe Owe. They're going their second year. And then, of course, David Ajabo, who is, you know, currently injured, coming off that Achilles injury, but still could absolutely learn anything and everything with uh, technique and form and the mental processes that goes into being a pass rusher for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that's where I can see him being just as effective uh, in teaching them as, as as effective as being on the field, honestly. Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, not too many players you can really claim that about. You know, I, I think we've we've had it with players like Levine, and maybe Jefferson is going to fall into that category. But I think it's it's more of something I associate with this with a key special teams player than with a uh, you know most other players on uh, on on the defense or offense. Uh, Houston, of course, a rush linebacker. Let's let's talk again. I realize most players who most people who listen to this show. Certainly most players <laughs> would, would understand uh, exactly what a rush linebacker is as opposed to a Sam. But the rush linebacker uh, in, a, in a traditional pro set with one tight end in line uh, lines up opposite the naked tackle, meaning that that's the, usually the left tackle, because most teams are right-handed. They put their tight end on the right side. Uh, he lines up opposite him, and he usually has a one-on-one rushing opportunity against that tackle. Um, if if, the, if you line up opposite the uh the other, the tight end, you're a strong side guy or a Sam linebacker, and you have coverage responsibilities, which are a major component of what you do. So I, I look very distinctly at those two positions at Rush and Sam as being very different. Uh, Houston is not a guy who has the quickness or speed to to cover a, a tight end, and that's part of why he wouldn't do that. The other thing is, he, you know, you really want him rushing the passer on a significant number of plays. On the other side, you have Tyus Bowser, one of the best coverage linebackers in the entire NFL, certainly was when healthy, and uh, he's a guy who, who thrives dropping from the line of scrimmage on a, on a fair percentage of snaps, somewhere between 20 and 40% might be normal, um, but anyway, is, is, is very effective playing off the ball, standing up and, and uh, covering a tight end in particular. Um, uh, or, or a short zone. But anyway, the, the, uh, the Ravens have done well with having multiple Sam linebackers on the field, uh, but their big impact rookie last year was another rush guy in his rookie year, uh, Adafi Owe. Yeah, Adafi Owe had an outstanding rookie season, and I feel like it's even uh, more significant due to the current like contract situation going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not going to stick on them too long because we are talking about the Ravens' edge rushes, but the Ravens trade away Orlando Brown Jr., got the pick that was eventually turned into Odafe Owe, and now they're 
being able to you know turn this into a full-blown starting outside linebacker who's gaining talent while Kansas City Chiefs are currently dealing with a contract situation with him and he's going to be playing under the franchise tag after he denied one of the richest left tackle deals in NFL history so that's the value added to him already and that's something that just I want to appreciate quickly as for his play on the field he led the Ravens in pressures had 49 of them according to PFF and uh, he, he saw a lot of exciting things out of of OA. You saw the talent begin to to show. You saw the raw ability of Adafi OA begin to uh, be exposed. And that's something that I really think everybody is is jumping on and being like, man, if this guy gets going, if he starts to get going, he can develop. And he's he's got some big names to compete with in the AFC North. Every single player, uh, every, every single team in the AFC North has a star pass rusher right now. The Bengals with Trey Hendrickson, the Bears, not the Bears, excuse me, the Browns with Miles Garrett, and of course, TJ Watt with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I assume Odafe always all under the consideration of he has to be that guy as well because there's some star pass rushers in this division, and uh, that's who the Ravens have as their best guy right now as far as, as pass rushing specifically. Um, Tyce Bowser has the talent with Sam, but as you mentioned. Yeah, I think in, in the case of Oway, first of all, tremendous rush player, and one of the things that I talked about last year a lot was that – there, he will never face any offensive lineman, any person standing across from him who's even close to the athlete he is. Um, he is an unbelievable freak of an athlete. And what that means is that tackles will typically get antsy and overreact to Owe's first move. While his first move can sometimes be good enough if he's quick off the line of scrimmage and whatnot to get outside or even to, to, uh, to use other moves, the, the, it, it magnifies the ability to counter. So if his first move is an outside move, the left tackle reacts to it, and then he spins inside, or he uses a euro step or other inside counter moves, or the other way around. If he if he if he looks to go inside, uh, you know, can can strike the shoulder with his incredible length. Another feature of him that's that's ridiculous, um, and then he uses an outside move. He's got a chance again to. Uh, uh, to be very effective doing that. And we, we saw a little bit of that, but we could see so much more of that. Um, having Justin Houston around for another move, a guy who's uh, used to compound moves like that, uh, having a pass rush plan uh, could really help him. And, and uh, in terms of staying on the rush side, um, I, I think it probably makes sense if the Ravens had the luxury to do it. One of the things about Owe is he has all of the speed, all of the length, all of the, the quickness you want to be a Sam linebacker. And that's what's so cool about him as a player, just as athletically, um, still the sky is the limit. We saw some great things as a rookie. I think we could still see many more. Do you th- what are the, some of the benefits that you could see with having a, a healthy Tyus Bowser, as you said, him being a talented Sam, and then also Odafe Owe being able to operate as a Sam as well? Is that what? Is, is there any specific benefits that you could share about that? It, within the wing system, there certainly was. He was comfortable dropping from either side. It allows you to build your pressure schemes uh, to overload either side. For example, uh, if if you have. Uh, 
I mean, they didn't have both drop too often, but that can happen as well. And then you, you know, you, you rush your slot corner and a, and a inside linebacker. I mean, you've got all kinds of options you can uh, overload from different angles. But the more your outside linebackers can be versatile to drop the coverage, the more value you have. Houston is not that guy. It's the one kind of uh, hole in his game. Uh, if if you want to talk about you know just things you can't ask him to to do particularly well, he drops so, you know probably some small percentage of the snaps he, he drops the coverage. I don't have it for, for this last year, but it happens uh, occasionally. But Bowser drops about as much as anybody in the entire <laughs> NFL from outside linebackers so, uh, and has been very effective at it. So Owe is a guy, I mean, he's still kind of learning the game, and, and I, the rate of learning with him has been so much higher than other unpolished players coming to the NFL. I'd hate, I'd hate to kind of turn him back as a, as a rush linebacker to turn him into a Sam linebacker by layering those responsibilities on if I thought that was going to hold him back at all as a rush player. Because, boy, the, the sky's the limit in all directions, but it, the more he can, um, you know, I think get a second year of more specific uh, skills for the rush position, the more I think he can be valuable to the Ravens. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's something that's I think the Ravens really have talked about all off season is the ability to do multiple things, the ability to be hybrids and the ability to be not positionless, but to be able to acclimate to multiple jobs. Well, and it's always been talked about with the secondary when we hear about the safeties and the dime backers and the inside and outside slot corner kind of guys, but it goes for the linebackers as well. And if what you're saying is true, which uh, all signs have indicated thus far that Adafi Owe can, can be just about anything he wants to be due to his size speed and nature uh, that's something that could be valuable down the road and also right now you know, he can absolutely be this kind of player now and uh, that's what's so exciting about this kind of pass rush group that is still young and has fair question marks to him but Adafi always seems like he's not so much of an ex uh, a question mark as to whether he not he can do it it's about questioning what can't he do at this point because of his abilities on the field Away, a um, Peter King last year cho chose Justin Matabike kind of famously from my perspective <laughs> as, as his dark horse um, defensive player of the year. And I think if, if you're going to go through that formulaic system that he obviously did last year, you pick the best teams who you think will be defensively, try and pick a young player, usually a year two player, maybe a year three, and say, okay, who played well last year? Who's an ascending player? Who has the, the disc? Is that, Away is the obvious guy uh, in the in the entire AFC to, to be you know have a enormous breakout between years one and two that's going to be much more than it was. I mean, one thing you have going for Away is it looks like there'll be a good secondary behind him, and quarterbacks are going to be a little bit more hesitant to make decisions. Another thing that's really working for him is it looks like the offensive line and Lamar Jackson might be back somewhere close to where they were in nineteen and twenty. And a team that scores more points and can generate more leads does a hell of a lot of good for the pass rush. <laughs> so, you know, you, you just all the all the signs really point to a big break forward for OM. Just very excited about what he'll bring to the team. And if you're if you're talking about a player who can surprise you on the upside significantly, I think OA is probably the guy. There's a bunch of guys, older older players that Ravens have a veteran, very talented player, very talented team. 
um, that could surprise you on the downside. And that's, that's often the case. Um, uh, but you, you, if you're really looking for the guys who can surprise you on the upside, you know, it's a handful of guys. It's some of the rookies. It's, it's, um, it's OA. Uh, you know, there's big expectations for Hamilton, so he could surprise you on the upside. I think Linderbaum is actually a fairly high variance player, uh, so you got you got options. You got the you know value changes there, but the the one guy with that big upside is Oa. I'm just very excited. I think that's completely true. Uh, pointing out about the offense, I think, is, is what's critical is being able to score some points and getting other teams in a deficit is what's critical to getting more pass rush snaps out of these guys. You can't force a team to pass unless they want to. And the bet, unless well, the one way is to score a bunch of points. And that's what the 19 Ravens were all about. And that's what caused it to be so simplified for the uh, defensive system. Yeah, the, the the thing I say about the 2019 Ravens is this, and it's the it's the best statistic I can give you is the 2019 Ravens played only 10.2 percent base defense. That's a base three four three down linemen, two outside linebackers, four defensive backs. It's something you you normally would see on first down. You know when you're concerned about the other team running the ball, and when they have the lead in particular, you you run up more of that because the other team is still running the ball. That same year, they played 13.2% of the race car package, which is a four <laughs> outside linebacker package uh, that, that is purely for pass rushing. They bring it in on pass down. So I, just very exciting uh, that year to see so much. Of that. In fact, that Rams game where, you know, as Eric Weddle said, they peeled their faces off. Uh, <laughs> the second half, from the, from the middle of the third quarter on, they played entirely race car. So it's it's it, it, you know first down they four outside linebackers on the field they're just going after Goff and uh, it it didn't end up being very pretty for him. As egregious, I didn't know the numbers to that effect, and I appreciate the tidbits there. All right, let's move on here. Uh, we're we're both obviously very high on Oa uh, Bowser uh, returning from injury. Uh, any sense of where he is? Did, did anything from the OTAs or anything show up? Was there talk? Um, as for it, you saw, uh, you know, he wasn't out there, but um, you did see like his on social media that uh, recently, like he was at a wedding and dancing and, and he looked good there. Uh, I know there's a difference between two stepping at a, at a wedding and trying to get around a 350 pound man, uh, but uh, signs look good. And I think there's some confidence in him being able to play obviously this season, how early is still everybody's question mark. And that's, uh, up in the air as it stands. Obviously one of the big issues with the Ravens is just w- what they're going to do at Sam linebacker, uh, until Bowser comes back. Bowser, you know, gives them so much in coverage. Uh, he actually led, I think led the team in sacks last year with seven. Mm-hmm. He, uh, yep. uh, you know, had, had his best year, uh, certainly in terms of being able to do that, came through. The value of the contract, uh, well done. In, in his first year, he, he certainly earned every dollar and more that he that he uh, earned. Uh, hopefully he's on the field this year and, and uh, performing at a similar level again because he's still a young man and, and uh, uh, you know, leader of this defense. Do you see if, if Bowser isn't able to go, uh, as we talked so much about, Oa's ability to play Sam that they'll just kind of slot him into the role and operate under that kind of guise until Bowser returns. Yeah, so they have three players who look like they're going to be the primary outside linebackers to start the year. One of them is Houston, exclusively on the rush side. One of them is Daylon Hayes, who we'll talk about in another moment. And we don't know really how pro ready he is. 
played four snaps or some such his first his rookie year. Uh, that's not enough, obviously, for us to tell. It did look pretty good in the preseason. Hopefully we'll see again that, that he's ready in the preseason. He looks like he has the characteristics to play Sam. Uh, they can trust him to drop from the line of scrimmage and, and set up their pass rush as needed. Uh, but I would expect him to be the starting Sam uh, as the season goes on. If, if for any reason Oway has to be moved to Sam uh, at the start of the year, I think they're basically... Uh, it would represent a change of plan in some ways. Now, all those guys will be on the field on third down, uh, quite possibly. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's an opportunity to, to Ravens have, have availed themselves of opportunities to get three and four and even five at one point outside linebackers on the field at one time uh, during the Wink era. I don't think that's necessarily going to stop. I mean, this is something that McDonald was was here when when most of the Wink era was was happening. So he's. Uh, uh, good chance that, that, that he'll follow uh, someone in the shoes, though he may not operate the pass rush the same way. But I, I do think that they're probably, they're, they're, they would prefer to leave away at rush linebacker if they could, and they'll probably move him over. But, you know, this is something interesting. We'll see in camp where they've got him lined up. I probably shouldn't report about it, but as soon as that first preseason game comes up, uh, you know, knowing where he's. Um, uh, Seeing where they're lining him up and trying to get him live fire will be a very good indication of whether or not he'll he'll start on the Sam side. Gotcha. Now, as for Tyus, um, I think it's fair to hedge. Like you want to hope for the best with these players, of course, coming off injury, they're going to be back. They're going to be better than ever. You know, every I think even a decade later, uh, I still I still feel that every fan sees an ACL tear as an opportunity to go out and win MVP because Adrian Peterson went and did it after tearing his ACL. And I think that so much confidence in you know modern uh, science and and. Uh, and and medicine and everything allows for such confidence but i think that bowser has he relies so much on speed and his physicality um and coming off an achilles injury is is no joke Uh, Mm -hmm. i think that hedging a little bit and seeing them be cautious in his ability and also him not running full speed and not being able to operate physically just smooth as soon as things go is something that I think I'm a little bit cautious of. I don't want to say that I'm down on him because I, 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 I'm rooting for him and I would like to see some great play out of him. And I know we will, but I think the injury is something to just take a lot more notice to than the average, like, oh, he's just coming off injury. He'll be all right. He'll be back in the swing of things. Like he tore his Achilles in the last game. Yep. This is a big deal. And it wasn't like Marcus Peters who tore his ACL in the, you know, in the, in training camp or Gus Edwards or JK Dobbins who tore his ACL uh, in the first preseason game. This was the very last game of the season. That's what happened. So I think that's something that, needs to be recognized extensively that it might take some time for him to get some go. And when he does, it might not all be pretty just because it's a significant injury that he's overcoming. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I, I honestly have the same feeling, uh, fears about Ajaba, who injured his Achilles even later. Um, I, I have tempered expectations with Bowser. I think a good season, he returns at some point and gives the Ravens uh, grades into a, a, a good level of play as he goes. So maybe he returns week six and he and he comes back and he and he you know plays well and he looks like Bowser again by December. That'd be terrific. Um, in in Ajabo's case, um, I I just hope he does not use the, lose the entire year developmentally because I think it's very important for him. Um, you know we don't want to be sitting here, particularly in year three, uh, 
um, talking about uh, Ajabo's unfulfilled promise. Obviously, we don't want to be talking about that, but we, we, we also don't want to be talking about it and making excuses for it the way we have for other players. And, uh, you know, he's a, uh, he's a guy who uh, circumstances are just tremendously unfortunate uh, of this injury. It was done, you know, in a, in a crappy little pro day rep, and, uh, you know, there's just no justice to, to have this kind of a thing happen. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a candidate, uh, you know, for, you know, the Ravens were able to get him at all because mm-hmm. he, he fell around two and, and, and was hurt. They were, the Ravens otherwise wouldn't have even sniffed him at number 14. Um, but he's a guy who, who is, is similar to Owe in some ways in that he has both some rush and some Sam characteristics. Definitely a rush linebacker all the way to start. But he has the athleticism and the speed to take on a Sam role. And so it'd be interesting to see, do they try and layer that in over time? And in his case, because he's played so little football, I think it's much more important to get him started as a rush linebacker than, than to uh, worry about what he might be as a Sam. That'll come later. I think that's true. Um, first, with David Ajabo, um, you and I spoke on him previously when we were doing the uh, player series. So if fans haven't listened to that, we can definitely go back and listen to that after this. But uh, as for Ajabo, I think that's definitely the way to go about it. Simplify the game. How do you do so? Go get the quarterback. You just that's your assignment. Get through the quarterback because he's already incredibly talented at it. And not only that, but he's incredibly talented at getting the football out when he hits quarterbacks. Uh, when we did the film session with Joe Hortiz, uh, Ravens director of player personnel, he was showing us some clips. And every single one of them, he was ripping the football out as he was getting after the quarterback, as he was making the tackle, as he was getting around the edge. He was he was he's a football hunter and pursuer, and it's not just about getting the sack but about getting the takeaway and getting the turnover that's something that's critical and that's something that I saw a lot of with David Ajabo and that's something that I think is really vital to traditional cliche Ravens defense which is being able to impose your will and take what's yours and that's the football and and get your offense another opportunity that's what we know so much of from the historical greats of this team and uh, Ajabo has that knack that could get him uh, within within reach of being discussed, something like that, if he can get healthy. Yeah, f- five forced fumbles in his last year at Michigan. So, uh, you know, that's prolific uh, in the NFL. <laughs> a, a typical league-leading total might be around there, five, six, or even seven. Uh, but, but you know, five is, is rarefied here. Very few uh, pass rushers ever get five. Uh, it's uh, certainly he's, a, he's an exciting player in terms of, uh, of what he brings. Um, I think I want to temper people's expectation and just say, you know, this is a guy who almost certainly is not going to contribute much in 2022. The thing I want to be 100% sure about is that he goes through the rehab, whatever he can do with the team, their trainers in terms of, of work, whatever he can do with other players uh, for the rest of the year in terms of learning of some position skills. And then he needs to have a big offseason personally. So he's going to go away from the facility. The Ravens coaches aren't going to be able to touch him. They're mm-hmm. not going to be able to contact him. They're not going to be able to, to uh, uh, spend time coaching him. He needs to find his pass rush guru, uh, his camp, his whatever it is. Um, and it needs to be you know, for some significant amount of time and probably at a personal level, not just with 10 other guys kind of thing. So he's taking something away from it 
um, you know, for longer than just say a two-week period. But he's a guy who, who uh, everything really right now needs to be focused on that 2023 season, how it's going to start. Um, he's the Ravens have taken a huge chance with a loss of a year of his first four-year deal. I'm always of the opinion. If you can't get your value out of your draft pick within the first four years, you you don't have a good draft pick. Even if you manage to re-sign the guy, even if you manage to uh, extend him or get him out of contract, you paid market value for that. Everybody else had a chance to bid on that too. You didn't have any special opportunity, maybe a little bit of market friction in terms of, yeah, he's got a house here, or he's, you know, he's got family in school or whatever it might be. But you, you really don't, you got to get the value out of the first contract. And the Ravens, by losing that first year, can't also lose the year developmentally and have him set back for 2023. Yep. The, the contract is a big part of this. Uh, but the, the opportunity to draft him uh, is also part of the, I think, the equation. And they were sadly fortunate enough to land him because of uh, the Achilles injury. Um, would you have wanted, I know, I know the Ravens, this is an off the beat question, but, and they landed Kyle Hamilton at 14, you know, but if you could have got him at 14, would you have been interested? And the same thing healthy? goes for uh, uh, Ajabo. Would if he you, was healthy? Yeah, if he was healthy at 14, do you think that would be an excellent pick? Yeah, he definitely is one of the players who was often mocked to the Ravens at that point. The Ravens had a huge edge need. In some ways, it would have been a more direct addressing of what they had, and they would have stacked up the safeties. But when they when they had the opportunity with Hamilton, it was just, he's just too good to pass up. And mm-hmm. the Ravens will find ways to adapt and build their defense to the personnel they have. So I'm excited about it either way. And yeah. I am really excited about Ajabo. I, I think from a value perspective, they've li- they've limited themselves in terms of how good – uh, the pick can be because of the loss of the year, what I expect to be the loss of a year. Yeah. Um, it, but they have, they have also given themselves a player who has a tremendous ceiling, and uh, that being the case, you might get it in years two, three, and four. And I, I would look at him, and the guy I compare him to is Paul Kruger, as a guy who didn't really get on the field much as a rookie, um, didn't play special teams. And I think that, would, by the way, would also be the case with a job. Oh, he might be able to play some... Uh, he might be able to play some punt and kick coverage. I maybe have to take that back in his case. He's quick, um, so that would be that would be. Uh, uh, he probably could do it where uh, where Kruger really didn't give you that dimension. Um, and then Kruger, when he finally did get on the field, he became a tremendous situational pass rusher first, and then he became a guy who, who pumped up twelve sacks in the two thousand twelve uh, Super Bowl run. And you know maybe a Jabo can do that, but you hate to have performance that grades up to just year four where you don't really have the information you need to extend a guy after year three. That's a big Ravens trick. If they lose the ability to do that with a player like Ajabo because they just don't know where he is or developmentally he hasn't been where he is. or You know, you can end up being Patrick Queen where the team uh, is going to be forced one year from now to make a decision on whether or not they want to pick up his fifth-year option. And I just I don't know how the Ravens can get the information to be comfortable with that at this point. He could have a big breakout year. It's possible. Yeah. Um, but but it's also very possible that there'll be something about his game that is still not quite right. And do the Ravens, after three years, are, are still having to throw their arms up and say, well, we just can't do it um, in terms of a fifth-year option. And uh, with, with the players you have them for only four years that you draft in rounds two and greater, the onus is even greater to learn more about them quickly. It's kind of paradoxic because those first-round picks get on the field right away. Mm-hmm. But you, you have less time to, to, to find out if those later guys uh, are going to be any good. 
Right. Now let's uh, talk about some of the other interesting guys. I think the one that we talked about last uh, that we've kind of been saving is Dalen Hayes. Mm-hmm. That's the interesting one that I'm I'm tired of writing about him. I've said it on Twitter. Uh, I've said it in my articles. Um, I'm tired of writing about the hype of Dalen Hayes. And it's not because I'm against it. I'm supporting it. I'm happy that he's playing well in camp. I'm happy that he looks good and he looks sharp. And he's making these highlight plays in shorts. But I'm exhausted of writing about him being good in shorts. I want him in the pads at this point. That's that's it. That's that's bar none. Get him in pads. Get him in a preseason game. I want to see the play. Well, we'll have about 17 or 18 days of camp to talk about where we you have to project from shorts to pads. You know, <laughs> I know. Shorts to pads to live fire. You know, it's, all, it's really multiple layers of, uh, of doing it. In fact, I'll give you another one. Preseason to, 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 to the regular season because, yep. you know, that's a lot of brother-in-law. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, it, it's, uh, Hayes is a player that I think the Ravens are probably going to turn to for a lot of snaps uh, to start the season. At the very least, he'll be a rotational Sam uh, where I think he, Owe, and Houston maybe get a similar number of snaps to start the season. Hayes maybe gets the least of that group, but uh, not by a whole lot. Um, I expect him to be on the field on third down. Uh, definitely has some coverage skills if you go back to Notre Dame and would be a guy that uh, I think the Ravens could really benefit from having on the field in terms of making pass rush adjustments if that, that's what they want to do. Um, uh, setting up pass rush deception, I guess, is how I should really – uh, name it, but anyway, I, I, I like him. I one of the things I'm really going to be looking to see in the preseason is how he looks against the run, and you know against the NFL level players, is he able to uh, set that edge effectively and turn those run plays back to the inside, make tackles when he has the opportunity, but set up other players probably even more than that with uh, with good edge setting. Yeah, I think that's going to be critical towards his on-field ability and how many snaps he's going to be able to uh, kind of command is his running, his, uh, his run-stop ability and his edge-setting ability. Because it sounds like everybody on this Ravens uh, outside linebackers group can rush the passer well. Every one of them has the knack to be uh, a pass rusher, at least in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And and to the success rate of getting on the field early is going to be critical because if you just have a bunch of pass rush linebackers only, you're going to struggle against running teams and teams that can set the edge and teams that can, can gain, gain, gain enough yards to where they're in third and short situations and you can't let these pass rushers fly. So... You need somebody that's going to be able to set the edge and do the dirty work. The the Courtney Upshaw work is what I always remember because Courtney Upshaw came in and he was this lauded pass rusher out of Alabama, and then he just became a, a glorified you know edge setter is what it felt like, mm-hmm. and then he gained a bunch of weight, and then he eventually moved to D tackle and D end for uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, but. I, I need to see some hard, grinded-out kind of work from Dalen Hayes and not just the fancy, uh, you know, the smooth pass rush skills that we all look for. The hard, heavy work against some right tackles and some tight ends and, and battling for the edge is going to be critical for Dalen Hayes to get some more snaps and get on the field more and, and, and play. Yep, that's a, that's a good way to put it. And, uh, uh, you know, I have... Honestly, at this point, I have so little to go on. I'm probably like you. I'm kind of frustrated talking about him in a a sense. Uh, I want to see what we saw at Notre Dame. I want to see a good preseason again, and then I want to see a a regular season where uh, the coaches, via what we can't see in practice, uh, still have complete confidence in him to play that same role as needed for for the Ravens. 
four other guys on the Ravens roster, two of them veterans brought in, I think, to really compete for one job. And this is one of the things that I'm not as confident about where Tyus Bowser is. Yeah, the Ravens have quite a collection of Sam linebackers. Let's put it that way right now. And Tyus Bowser, obviously their guy last year. Uh, Owe, a guy who could play there. They have Hayes, a guy who they're really looking at right now and, and you know, gives the appearance of a guy that's going to start on the, Sam, uh, on the strong side in this, in this, uh, as the season begins with Bowser you know, potentially still out for a few weeks. Um, and then they brought in two other guys, Vince Beagle, a guy they've been talking about his versatility. He, he plays special teams, so if you want to talk about that versatility, sure, he's versatile. But he is a pure outside linebacker. He's really not played much inside linebacker, if any. Uh, and he's a guy who, who uh, the Ravens would only be considering in, in that sense based on his body type and whatnot. But has some limited coverage ability in terms of his career. He is not a spring chicken. I think he's had six NFL seasons or uh, he was drafted six years ago anyway. Let me look that up for a second because that's something I... Uh, yeah, he first started playing in 2017. Okay, so so he's this will be his sixth year in the league. And who drafted him? Green Bay in 16 or Green Bay in... 17, fourth round in 2017. So fourth round draft pick at one point. He did get two and a half sacks with Miami in 2019 uh, on a a pretty bad Miami team, frankly. But uh, he's 29 years old uh, right now. In fact, he just turned it, uh, well, he will turn 29 in five days. How about that? (laughs) Uh, So he's not a young guy. uh, But but definitely has some, uh, uh, some Sam skills. Steven Means, another guy, I'll return to this, but, but I wanted to make my point about the Sam linebackers here first, but Steven Means, another guy uh, with some Sam linebacker background. He can also, I think, play the run a little bit, so we'll see how that works out. Uh, but I don't think you collect, you stack up Sam linebackers to that degree if you're not significantly concerned about where Tyus Bowser may be in terms of his ability to play in 2022. I think... Uh significantly is a little bit too strong of a word. I think there is concern there, though. Um, like you said, you don't do this, all of these effort. you don't take all these efforts and all these moves just because you're like, oh, yeah, everything's great. Situation normal. Get Steven Means, get Vince Beagle, let's trade for Vince Beagle with a comp pick. Everything's fine. Like, that's not the way that things are going to operate there. Uh, but I think significantly is a little uh, excessive. I think just it's it feels situation normal which is you lost your one of your best outside linebackers in the final game of last season, which is about in January, and now you got to try and figure out how things are going to navigate from there. And you're going to have to bring in some guys, test them out, see what they're, they're able to do, and uh, you got one spot open for one of the two young guys or one of the two veteran guys, and, uh, and you're going to let them battle it out in training camp over it. Yep, I, I would uh, I would agree with that, and I, I think you know some what these guys can do on special teams probably something that will will help them make the team. I don't like pure special teams players. I don't think there's any place for them in the modern NFL. I think you know your roster, uh, particularly the way the Ravens have stacked it up offensively and defensively, all the scheme they like to play, all the rotation they like to do on the defensive side of the ball, uh, really makes you have to have 25 players. Who can help? Have to? Who can help you defensively in some way? And it's great when they also can play special teams. And and yes, it can be the secondary factor where somebody makes a team. If it's the primary factor, that's probably a bad thing. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Ravens love their special teams, but I think as 
the, as for the modern era, you're right. Uh, you can't just have a special teamer on there. They got to be able to contribute something else. Uh, if it's not the kicker, punter, long snapper, they need to be able to cover. They need to be able to rush. They need to be able to return the ball. There's their block. You got to have something other than the the traditional like oh he just goes out there he's a special teams ace he's a gunner unless they're unless they're truly prolific i think like matthew slater for the patriots is like the one guy that you're like well he doesn't that's all he does but he, he gets a pro bowl or an all pro every year because he's he's bona fide in this and it makes sense but the ravens don't have any of those guys uh you don't have that kind of player anymore maybe you had them when it was like anthony levine or albert mcclellan but even those guys produced on something of those natures yeah, I mean, McClellan played a lot of inside linebacker. He was very versatile for the Ravens in terms of where he played. In fact, he started one year at uh, defensive end uh, for, the, for the Ravens, and I think that was 12. It was the year Suggs was hurt to start the season. Uh, you know, he was out there. So he, McClellan did it all. He earned his, earned his time. But they, the three guys recently that I would talk about have been pure special teamers, and hopefully the Ravens have kind of broken the mold on this. Justin Bethel, who really never got on the field defensively for them. Jordan Richards, uh, a guy who they, they cut at least once, maybe twice, in fact, during that time. And Levine, of course, who uh, valuable captain of the special teams, but there just is not room for a guy when you want to play four safety alignments and you need five safeties to do so, you can't have one of your safeties be a guy who can only play special teams. You need to have, you need to have guys who are on the field ready to be thumpers. And, and uh, you know, that's what the Ravens have this year. I think it's fairly exciting that they have you know, that combination of, of five guys who really look like plus defenders at the, at the place they'd be slotted. Um, and uh, you know, I think they don't really have anybody at other positions. Kristen Welch might be a guy who who's kind of close to being a pure special teams player, but he could get on the field, and he did last year yep. in terms of, uh, uh, of, of helping you at uh, inside linebacker if you, if you have a hole. That kind of reminds me of, uh, I'm a big hockey fan, it wouldn't be me joining your show without me having some sort of hockey reference. I think I try to get one in every single time. But uh, about a decade ago when we were watching the Colorado Avalanche, which I'm a fan of, uh, you, you had these guys that were big enforcers. They were tough guys. They're out there on the third and fourth line, and their primary job was to be enforcers and kind of you know keep the, the game in check. You can't do that, though, in hockey. You can't have those skill position players on the third and fourth line. Those are those are teams that have skill position players there that are winning games and helping them to get to a Stanley Cup. Now the Avalanche kind of slowly progressed, filtered those guys out, even though they were lovable. They were the guys that fans were rip-riding about and really enjoying. Cody McLeod was was looked at as Highlander. He was this big, tough fighter, this grinder. And no longer is that able to be a thing. And now you see their third and fourth line was scoring a bunch of points and they won the Stanley Cup, so I had to bring that up. But uh, you can't afford to have guys as a niche position that's not critical toward you know offensive or defensive success but for something else that was like the special teams of hockey is fighting and enforcing the rules and kind of protecting your other players can't afford that anymore in hockey you can't afford that in the modern era of football you can't just have a guy as a prolific unless they are prolific in a specific niche of the special teams duties like Matthew Slater or some of these other guys as you mentioned 
you have to have them as a versatile individual. The Ravens talk about versatility on offense, defense. You need to be versatile in being able to do both jobs in special teams and then contributing on one of the other sides of the football as well. And that's what's going to be important. And it looks like you said they've slowly weeded that out. They've slowly gotten accustomed to we got to rotate these guys in and out. We can't just have them as special teamers. they got to be able to produce on the field, and that's going to be important uh, now and uh, kind of forever because football is turning that way. Uh, to where you have to be able to be a hybrid player. You have to be versatile. All right. Uh, anything to say about either Beagle or Means? Uh, I, um, not too much about it. Uh, I liked a little bit of what I saw from uh, Beagle um, early on in minicamp. And then Stephen Means had some decent plays afterwards. I saw him kind of rush the passer and, and set the edge on some running plays. Of course, it's the brother-in-law play that we talk about. Uh, no pads on. And so he was just kind of setting the edge and, and fighting pretty well. It looked like his hand fighting was, was up to par. And I kind of it was noting that but that's all you can kind of do without the pads on steven means will turn 32 in september so you know not a spring chicken this is in fact almost certainly his last nfl stop uh we'll see if it works out if he if he uh you know can can produce something here if he's a a guy honestly if he can play either side uh i think one of the things they'd like to see from means is an ability to have one other guy who's a two-down run stuffer at outside linebacker. That really helps rotationally with all the guys they have who can rush the passer to have another guy who can eat some snaps, as Pernell McPhee did, frankly, for the last uh, you know few years, uh, would be another guy who, uh, who could help them. They picked up two guys uh, that I really know very little about, Wiley and Moon. Um, I, I, they, neither was on my draft board. They're both rookies. Uh, what did you see from them in, in the OTAs? I saw a lot of coaching for them i saw i heard their name called a lot let's go chuck let's go wiley let's go moon you know you heard that a lot and uh on some of the videos that i was recording just a minicam when they're hitting the various blocks and and the uh the stationary stuff um they got a lot of different coaching and and you know the linebackers coach would come over and and show them different technique and they you grab those two guys a lot um i think they're pretty the ravens coaching is really hands-on as you see that with uh you know uh as we you and i have been out out there throughout the years and uh i saw just so much of them getting getting coached and getting called out on i liked what i saw from jeremiah moon um if i had to note one of them he was the player that i noted more uh had some had a a couple passes defense at the line had him had some swats there and then uh he did notch i believe two sacks in total over minicamp that i remember i, I can recollect uh counting on my notes and uh I, i'd have to go through my uh publishings on Baltimore beatdown but uh, that's what I remember out of him and I think that was kind of the the of the UDFA linebackers um, and kind of the the veterans as we were mentioning means and, and Beagle I think he was the one that I remember getting called out the most and kind of the players shouting out the most um, for making some decent plays okay so a little bit of difference between these two Chuck Wiley is uh, from UT San Antonio so a uh, little bit lower competition than the Power Five, but uh, a rookie at 24. Jeremiah Moon, a more age-appropriate 23 coming out of Florida, but he played five years uh, at Florida in, in terms of uh, what he did. He has that body type the Ravens like, uh, extremely lanky 6'5 guy, uh, uh, 247, not exceptional weight for, for that size, but uh, I'll be interested to see what these guys do in preseason and uh, I, I, I will say this, that 
Nothing about who Beagle and Means are should keep either of these guys from winning a spot if they perform well. Because you know, they're four-year options, effectively. Beagle and Means are, are one-year vet-free agents. Uh, you do get something from, from Beagle, let's say, if he makes the team. You can cut him. And, and uh, you can, he doesn't have to make the initial 53. You can slip one additional guy onto the roster. So it gives you that roster versatility. And then you bring him back after you've made your IR move. And you've really got a 57-man roster, say, instead of a 53-man roster with the Ravens making what I project would be several of those moves. So uh, he gives you some of that roster flexibility. But on the other side, uh, if, if either Wiley or Moon were to turn out to be a good player, the Ravens have him for four years. And that's a lot more exciting. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm kind of projecting as well, just because the, the availability, the accessibility of having a guy for longer, uh, younger, and has more upside uh, just makes more sense. Uh, I think I saw, like I said, Moon get the most uh, praise from his teammates and coaches throughout minicamp. Uh, and, of course, we'll have to see it if it continues in training camp here over the next six weeks. But until then, uh, I think that he has an op- he has an opportunity to keep, you know, it will keep the new Ravens undrafted free agent streak of signing one guy. I know it was finally broken up one year, but uh, they, they do love finding those gems at the end of, uh, of UDFA season. And, and I think Moon has an opportunity to uh, yeah, be the yeah. guy. Several several positions this year: inside linebacker, wide receiver, uh, outside linebacker. All possibilities for for getting a UDFA to make the team. So, uh, you know, good uh, good options there. Where where it's not going to happen is on the offensive line. The offensive line is extremely veteran and and uh, high draft pick, high, high capital players. So uh, uh, that's 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 the other side of good. <laughs> that you'd, that you'd like to have nice stability there. Outstanding talking about with this. Maybe one one more thing. Do um, you think the Ravens keep four guys, five guys, six guys at outside linebacker? And you know, I, I, obviously there's going to be pup and ir that may cloud this decision too much. Maybe we don't go down that rabbit hole, but unless you have something you would like to say about well, it. Well, you got Tyus Bowser, Dave Owe, Justin Houston, uh, Dalen Hayes, and then there's David Ajabo, who's probably pup. Mm-hmm. Or they cut somebody and, and slip, you know, a job onto uh, the short-term IR kind of structure or whatever they do. Mm-hmm. So I think if you count a jabo, there's going to be six, and they're going to land Moon, Wiley, Means, or somebody else regarding that. But if not, um, it'll just be five. But I think I think we'll see six in total. I think a jabo might end up playing like the last, you know, like gets in in November or something like that. Maybe get some run. But um, yeah, I think that's about where it lands. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think that's the, that'll be the way it goes, and I think it really means that either Beagle or Means is going to have have to have some rotational role to begin the season because I think Bowser may also be a guy who is pup or or short term IR, one of the two. And if he, one of the things is once he makes a commitment to come back and practice, then the Ravens are kind of kind of stuck with that decision. It's not terrible because the IR gives them. The opportunity to bring him back if they want to put him on short-term IR, play the roster game at the beginning of the year, but they only get eight of those moves this year, and they also have to wait four weeks to bring somebody back. Now PUP is longer, I believe. Maybe they, they, they can't come back until week six, or they can't practice until week six. I, I never can remember exactly what the rules are, but the short-term IR being limited this year, I believe, is actually directed at the Ravens, and they're they're. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm serious. Uh, they're the the. 
the facility with which they've mastered the NFL's roster rules is something other NFL teams are kind of jealous of, and they've said, you know, we got to tighten this up. It's just it's just ridiculous. People are manipulating it. It was intended to be a you know a COVID consideration, and a, you know we have. Uh, we want roster flexibility because of injuries, and you know both the players and the owners love it. Mm-hmm. I, I think they both like the flexibility, or the, both the players and the coaches. I don't know the owners, but <laughs> the, the players and the coaches love it in terms of the, of the flexibility it gives, uh, the additional jobs it creates. You know, the, the not being forced to play hurt that it that it can create as well too. Uh, but but they, they uh, there's a whole bunch of other people who are worried about the competitive balance uh, considerations and realize the Ravens are one of these teams that has a lot of depth and can really leverage that depth into something special with their understanding of the roster rules. Well, part of it is because the Ravens had the highest adjusted games lost since yes. you know football database was tracking it, so they needed to do that. So it's not because they were trying to game the system; they needed to because they were losing players at an exponential rate. Compared Compared to just about every other team, other than like the 2018 or 2016 Bears, like it was, it was egregious, and you know that more than anybody. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the uh, the roster structure and how they can get five or six or seven or 14 outside linebackers by the season's end. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Great talking football as always with you, Kyle. And to go through this is a, is a lot of fun. I appreciate your insights from having gone to the OTAs and, and bringing those to us. Tell folks where they can find your work. Yeah, you can find my work once again on Twitter at Kyle P. Barber. I do write as the managing editor for Baltimore Beatdown, so BaltimoreBeatdown.com. And then every Monday, I do write for BaltimoreRavens.com. It's uh, under Late for Work. I uh, do all the consolidating efforts of looking up all the Ravens news over the weekend and then consolidate into one beautiful piece for you to enjoy. So check that out as well. Thank you so much, Ken. All right. Great to have you. Other folks out there, if you'd like to uh, be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'll get back to you quickly. Narrow topic, folks. We're on a narrow topic that we can discuss in about 25, 30 minutes. I'd love to have you on. I I promise I'll get right back to you. Uh, Kyle, thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.